0: down in we do baby I'm not the smartest man in the world I couldn't tell you my kids' birthdays but I can tell you this that is not a foul that is not a foul I promise you that all fall
1: hey everyone welcome to an episode of Wall Street Journal podcast back at it with Nashon today. How's it going, man?
0: Yo, what's going on, dude?
1: Well, it's pretty cool. I mean, we're <laughs> times like flying by. I, um we're already a quarter of the way through the season. Every team's played about 20, 21 games. And I can't even believe like like a quarter of the season's done already. Uh, just thought we could talk about some early awards, the big awards, favorites and who's kind of like been separating themselves so far. Um and just go over them. So I guess we can start with like the MVP. As of now, who would you say is your MVP?
0: You know, this is a tough call. Um, I want to say that if LeBron does not take a significant stretch of time off this year, if he doesn't load manage as he has other years by, you know, pretty much taking all of January off, and the Lakers, who, you know, in the beginning people were saying that they have a really easy schedule, but now they've been beating some tougher teams, um, I have to go back to LeBron, and maybe this is just me Sort of being fatigued with the same people at the top, and kind of what LeBron went through a couple of years ago. But that's my pick. I mean, yeah, that's that's
1: reasonable. Yeah, the, the fear with LeBron always is, <laughs> is he actually going to play like a, the required number of games, and is his team actually going to do well in the regular season? Because they usually been take take games off during the regular season traditionally, especially in his Cleveland days. Um, that's why he never won an MVP in Cleveland. I felt, but um and the other question with lebron is is he gonna play enough defense to actually worn an mvp award which it looks well, like so far on, james yeah. harden didn't have to play enough defense to warrant an MVP i know award. yeah that's true but he also had like an historic offensive year that year and the rockets were like they won the most number of games that year but yeah i mean it's i think it's like kind of like in football where people always say don't take uh tom brady for granted i think that's kind of like where we are with lebron now because people had written him off and then i think he's kind of used that as motivation himself like with all the insta posts with the hashtag washed king revenge season so he's clearly using it as motivation but still like year 17 to play at the level he's been playing pretty impressive i would say for sure and
0: he went from a guy who played all 82 games Then last year you know he had his first off season off i think he just he looks more rested and maybe he may not need to do as much load managing because he's not playing he's he hasn't been playing deep into the playoffs in the last year and a half yeah
1: yeah this is his season ended in end of, at the end of march which is like the earliest ever um but i think for me it's yeah you know, for me the mvp is like definitely Giannis as of now um bucks have the best record 18 and 3 you thought that after losing Brogdon, they would take a step back middleton's been out that he missed like four weeks in between with an injury um and brooke lopez hasn't been like brooke lopez of last year <laughs> he's not been like automatic from three but still the bucks still like just churning along 18 and three and Giannis is somehow better like his scoring average is now from 27 to 31 he's averaging 14 rebounds a game and now he's also making threes like he's like actually like unlike ben simmons he's like not afraid to take threes and he like just, I, I mean he makes like a good amount like I, if if he makes that consistently i mean in the playoffs it's always different but i mean that's a different story right now i think Giannis is my mvp like back to back i know we always like say like oh this person was already an mvp so it's always harder to win it back-to-back mvp because you got to like do even better yeah but that's what, exactly what Giannis is doing
0: i mean the other thing to look out for they do have the best record in the league but uh, and i won't be surprised if the bucks end up with the best record in the league because they do get to play more t- games against the weaker Eastern Conference. I mean, ultimately, I think this is one of those years where the West is so loaded that I don't think you need to have like the best record in the NBA to be the front runner. That's not to say Giannis doesn't deserve it. Obviously, playing great offense, and he's, he's by far, when you think about MVP candidates, he's by far the best defensive player when you think about MVP candidates, but maybe I'm just a little bit fatigued of seeing the same guy two years in a row. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I think that's that, That's a good point because, I mean, the other MVP frontrunner so far is definitely, like, Doncic, who is, whose team is, like, a fourth seed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you would definitely say just based on his numbers and the fact that the Mavs, no one thought they would be a fourth seed in the West. And he definitely has the least talent around him overall, but he's still, like, what he's doing is incredible. So, yeah, maybe you don't need to always have the best record to win... Uh,
0: MVP. I mean, R- rush so- showed that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, also he had a historic <laughs> Yeah, season. yeah,
1: averaging which Doncic is all pretty much doing. I think he's yeah, thirty-point triple-double. Yeah, exactly. Right <laughs> so, um, just a crazy yeah between Harden, Doncic, LeBron, and Giannis. They're all like having like these. <laughs> I mean, Giannis, Harden, and Doncic are putting up, like, historic numbers, and then there's LeBron, who's, like, year 17 and leading the league in assists. And uh, it's crazy,
0: because, quietly, the best team in the NBA may still be the Clippers.
1: Yeah, um, but they just load manage, so, exactly they, they may actually not be the best team to the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, next up, I guess, for defensive player of the year, who would you say it is?
0: Yo, this is a, this is a tough call. Um... Uh, in this aspect, and maybe this, maybe I'm a little biased because I didn't choose him for MVP, but for this, I probably would use Giannis. Mm-hmm. I thought he should have won it last year. Um, and he... It's the fact that even though he has a better... He has a greater offensive role this year, his defense still hasn't taken a step back. So maybe his defense isn't better than last year, but the fact that he's doing more on offense without sacrificing his defense makes him my defensive player of the year.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely valid. Yeah, <laughs> it's... Uh... This guy just does everything. Some of it, I just watch highlights of some of his blocks and whether it's chase down or like just on-ball defense and the weak side blocks, his incredible defensive feels just amazing. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure it helps to have that kind of wingspan to just come down and chase down people on blocks. Um, But for me, I think the guy who's been the defensive player of the year so far is like Marcus Smart. I think he doesn't get enough attention because you always focus on like the Gobert's and this year, obviously, great. Draymond's not getting any attention because the Warriors are so bad. Right. Those two always get it, and then there's always Kawhi and PG. But because of their load management and their like the amount of games that they miss, but I think Marcus Smart's just been incredible for the Celtics. I thought the fact that they lost Horford and Baines, that they're gonna struggle, but somehow Marcus Smart takes on the big men. Like he guards big men, and he's kind of like their key to the whole Celtics D. Because then when they switch, he could still guard these bigs just effectively enough that. Tatum and Brown can then just like switch off the different wings and he's the key to their whole defense and the Celtics like I mean they're way way better than I thought they would be given the pieces that they lost
0: I mean Marcus Smart finally um when he came out of college you know he was known for his defense he's finally putting together offensive repertoire that's keeping him on the court long enough that his his defense prowess is showing
1: yeah, um, I love Marcus. <laughs> I think we always like heard like Marcus is a really good defender, but this year he's finally getting recognized for it. Yeah. Uh, which award do you want to hit on next?
0: I was thinking about doing Rookie of the Year because I got a hot take, so maybe <laughs> maybe you can go before me.
1: Okay. Um, I think for me, it's it's definitely Morant, like Ja. Um, it probably would have been Zion, but because he hasn't played, I think it's Ja's uh award to lose. It's kind of weird. Like we kind of we've been seeing this where. It, point guards who come into the league are like picking it up faster now like whether it was trey young last year um i guess luca same thing like even though he's like a forwards body but he plays the point guard um where like guards are pretty good to pick it up i thought ja would take some more time but he's been like re-energizing memphis between him and jaron jackson they look like they have like their two cornerstones yep but um, and I'm glad like he avoided pretty serious injury. There was that one fall that he had, and it was it looked like non-contact, and he's holding his knee. But I don't think it was a serious injury. But yeah, I love his passing, his like drives. He's like fearless. Uh, it reminds me of like a young Westbrook. Wow. I, <laughs> I would, big. yeah, I would give this the uh, award to Ja.
0: So I guess I mean you you already sort of spoke about it, but I think uh, for me this is this isn't a. A pick based on what he's done for the first quarter of the season this is a pick based on what his team hasn't done for the first quarter of the season that's why I'm gonna pick Zion <laughs> um, he should be coming back soon and I, I think three quarters of the season is more than enough I don't think Ja has been so amazing that um, that Zion can't come back uh, but I think just watching New Orleans struggle I, I, I really thought they were gonna be a better team I mean, they got all those young guys from the Lakers they had some great cornerstones in drew I um, and they're just like they haven't taken that step they drafted some other good players you know yeah um uh Nikhil, alexander walker he's kind of been like a bust i mean
1: for like the expectations i had he's been a kind of a bust <laughs> yes yeah i agree
0: and jackson hayes i mean like
1: who's shown potential
0: but and so i i, I think what they're missing and you know i pretty god that uh that zion can stay healthy for a good portion of his career but i just think that they need that guy that's explosive like. I think Brendan Ingram is doing a great job, but maybe he's proving to be a, like one of those good numbers on a bad team. Good kind stats, of guy. bad team guy. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean it's yeah it's weird because <laughs> Ingram's has taken a leap for sure, um, but you know it looks like this is kind of what I feared because I've been watching these young Lakers the p- past couple of years. Um, it looked like Ingram was about to finally take the leap, but Lonzo doesn't seem like he's that much better. Um, Josh Hart's like you know he's your classic role player, but for a former number two pick, Lonzo doesn't seem like he's that much better than what he was like the past two years with the Lakers. And injuries definitely have stunted his growth for Alonso, but um, Ingram's taken the lead. But and then they have these interesting guys because they have Drew, they have JJ Redick, yeah. they have Derek Favors. And you think like, even without Zion, they should still be a decent enough team.
0: I think they're just missing heart. I, like, I think they're like, they yeah. don't have something that's like, they're missing a glue guy. Like the guy that like brings the fun in the team. And I think that that's what, you know, after watching Zion in college and just his personality being all happy and like, just it seems like he's fun to be around when he plays basketball. Yeah, I think that's what they're missing, and like I'm hoping that when he comes back, I don't know if they're gonna make the playoffs. I mean, this is, the quarter of the season is long in the Western Conference. I mean, that's it's a lot to have sort of mulliganed. But um, I, I just think that they're, that it's I still think it's Zion's award to lose. <laughs>
1: yeah, or it may just be one of those classic cases that they have they had like too many guys coming into the season. Yeah, and you just have to sometimes be like these are the guys that we're gonna roll with. These are your roles. This is what you're gonna play with, and we saw that with the Celtics last year when you have too many guys. Sometimes it can also be a bad thing. Right. Um, what did I want to hit on next? Oh, we could do sixth man of the year. Um, I for me, I think it's Spencer Dinwiddie. Wow. Uh, just what he's done. I know it's it's like kind of like flawed now, skewed because he's playing starter minutes yeah. with Kyrie out. But I mean, he is a sixth man, and it's it's crazy because the Nets have like, haven't missed too much of a beat with Kyrie out, and that's like largely in part because of like how good Spencer did And I wouldn't is. even say that
0: they've been missing a beat. I mean, when Kyrie went out, they had a losing record and the, yeah. now they have a winning record. Yeah, it yeah. Just goes to show. And they and just this, beat the
1: Hawks tonight in Atlanta.
0: And this is what exactly what I was saying the first time we talked this season, which is that <laughs> the Nets finally look like they have their groove back. In the sense that like people are out there and they're having fun. I think you know Dinwiddie can be ball dominant, but I think there's something different when Kyrie has the ball for. 20 minute, 20 seconds of the 24 seconds shot clock you yeah. know and the ball
1: movement's like completely different yeah
0: and people are into it now I mean they're playing Deandre a little bit less <laughs> yeah um, Jared Allen It's more of like la- last year's nets and I think that that's what they needed yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see what it comes down to when Kyrie's back um, Probably in a couple of weeks though. Yeah, it seems like yeah, injuries are starting to bear down in this career a little bit more now Yeah, um, and the fact that they missed Levert
1: who's been out as well but they still stayed afloat Uh, or like you said they're actually like thriving uh Dinwiddie's like carrying them (laughs) it's just incredible uh but yeah who's your sixth man
0: I think this is kind of a little bit of a um and I I don't know how much time he's coming off the bench now and how much time he's like starting but um just because like there's been so much rotation with Paul George coming back but uh I would pick either Mont Harrell who I think it's getting some games when he starts, some games when he doesn't start, or Lou Williams. I mean, I think both those guys are cornerstones of that team. Yeah, especially on. It's really tough because they have so much load management. So they, people are just popping in and out yeah. of the, out, out of the lineup. But yeah. I think someone like Harold, like he's, he took another leap to his game now. I mean, he's already like that defensive gusto kind of guy, but like now he's putting together a pretty good offensive season and. Um, I think he's just fun to watch. Like maybe it's something about his hair and how it just waves <laughs> around, or yeah. whatever it is. But he's just fun to watch, and uh, he reminds me a little bit more of like old school NBA. Where you know nowadays, like the guys that become relevant are the are the guys that are ne- uh, like or are ne- not necessarily like the hustle guys. Like the guys that are have some sort of one skill. You know, like whether it's three point shooting or whether mm. it's dribbling. Like th- those are the guys that stay relevant. But I- he just, like, he reminds me of, like, Kenneth Reed when he first came into the league, where he's, like, s- sort of high all, energy. Over the, yeah, yeah. Like all over the court, making the right play, always being in the right place at the right time, and, I, you know, I think that's, like, those 50-50 balls are what, in the playoffs, is going to be most important, and uh, if he is even eligible for sixth man, based on how many games he starts, I mean, he would be my guy.
1: Yeah, I think this was an issue last year, too, between Lou and Harrell, where they're both, like, they had really good years, and yeah. it's, like, you kind of had to pick one. But yeah, I mean, Harold, the, their pick-and-roll combo is just deadly. Like, Lou and Harold, like, you have, like, Kawhi and PG starting, and then they can both sit, and then, like, Lou and Harold come in, and they run their own offense, and right. that's still, like, pretty deadly. And man, Lou Williams, this guy's a walking bucket. Like, I feel like he's been playing forever. Right, yeah. And he's still, like, he's just, like, he's getting better with age. He, he can draw those fouls, and he has, like, that weird, like, going to his left. and like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just incredible what he does. I think the one the so one last like individual award that um you can hit on is like the most improved player award uh, i can go first with this for me i think i would actually say it's it's donchich for this so this is i mean i know he won rookie of the year so we usually pick a this award usually goes to someone who was like not a scrub but like kind of like an okay player and then like they have their breakout season like CJ McCollum like his breakout year when he won this award or Pascal Siakam last year but Doncic you know he won rookie of the year last year and we knew like all right this guy's promising but now like in his second year he's like an MVP candidate probably a top five player like averaging a 30 point triple double like that's like a incredible leap from like a rookie to a sophomore yeah and he's holding his own like and he's only 20 it's just, like it's so it's just incredible like the leap that he's taken from year one to year two like, Dallas is, like, set for, like, the next 10, whatever, 15 years. Like, they have their franchise centerpiece. Like, he's, like, he's, like, yeah, you know, like, this guy has it. Like, whether it's, uh, like, a Giannis or, like, these guys just come along, like, and you know, like, all right, you have your franchise centerpiece, and that's what Dallas has now. You
0: know, five teams are going to be kicking themselves, right? I guess you know, whatever. Definitely
1: the, uh, the Suns and the Kings. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, just kicking themselves. And the
1: Hawks, I guess, too. And I mean, it, I'm sure it, they're it, happy it even, with
0: Trey, but, like, still. Yeah, and even, like, you know... Jaron Jackson is nice, but Jaron Jackson is not. Luca. Yeah,
1: I mean, this guy's like a like a AD, like a LeBron, like the one of those guys. Like, or I mean, AD hasn't won it, like, but he looks like a guy you could build a championship team around. Yeah,
0: like, exactly. Uh, Just gotta get the right pieces around him, and hopefully they don't waste that early part of his career. I mean, I think Dallas is doing everything right right now. Yeah, putting together at least a decent team around him, um, and they'll keep building on that. Hopefully, what doesn't happen is they become too good too quickly, because I've seen that before. Where guys come into the NBA and they blossom a little bit quicker. Maybe that happened with the Cavs in the early LeBron years. Is like they blossomed a little bit too quickly, and what they just needed was one or two more bad years where they could pick up other people that are young yeah. through the draft or Roque's other on a cheap contract. Yeah, and like then you can't afford anybody because all these people have their. And especially with up.
1: Dallas, I mean, all their picks are now going to be with the Knicks. Like, well, just two of them, but yeah, two picks that they've already given up to the Knicks. Yeah, uh, and this past year they gave up their pick to Atlanta, so. They have they don't have like much coming up in terms of re- uh, repletion through the draft, but right. I mean it's all worth it for Doncic. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I think for me, my guy, uh, and it's gonna be Fred Van VanVleet. Um, <laughs> you're talking about a guy who didn't get uh, drafted. Yeah, he put a significant. Uh, he played a significant role. Um, you know, all of last year, uh, even the year before that, he had his time in the playoffs where he sort of disappeared. Then had his kid and. Since then, he's just been on fire. I mean, this guy, I would say arguably should be an Eastern Conference all-star. Um, he's doing everything. Him and Pascal have kept... I didn't. I really did not think Toronto was going to be this good. And part of that is, you know, they have some savvy veterans. Um, Masai always finds guys, you know, Hollis Jefferson. All these guys that, like, we thought maybe wouldn't be a good fit or were dead in the water or early bust or whatever it was. Uh, but Van Vliet, I feel like this guy play with, plays with heart all the time. He's a little bit small, but he doesn't not try on defense. you know, you, you got to give him credit that he's never going to be the best defender, but he's out there trying day in and day out. And his offensive game, I think, complements Pascal's really well. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I, I think maybe I found that old traditional, like most improved player, someone who is more or less a scrub. I mean, he was like a, not someone you would be thinking about as an all-star candidate. Coming to coming into his own and like I think he should be an Eastern Conference All Star.
1: Yeah, he's really continuing with that uh, that outburst that he had in the Eastern Conference Finals last year after the birth of his son, baby, and then he just became like God mode and like, yeah. couldn't miss continuing that, and then he was amazing in the finals like hubie brown even gave him a finals MVP yeah (laughs) and like really showing that continued progression this guy's just uh never thought like he he had this level in him like they missed lowry and then he just like stepped right into that starting spot um it was incredible i think just going off of that the the last award is like the coach of the year which i would give it to nick nurse um toronto i know they were 12 and 4 maybe they're like I know they lost to Miami last night, but regardless, the fact that they lost Kawhi and Danny Green, and then um, Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry both got hurt. So you're missing like four members of your starting lineup from last year. Yeah. Um, and then Marcus All hasn't looked like Marcus All because he played till the finals and he played in the international game over the summer. And the fact that Nurse has been able to use these pieces like Chris Boucher um stanley johnson ron hollis jefferson like these guys were on other teams and they're kind of like reclamation projects and he's just plugging them in and like the fact that toronto's like playing this well never thought they had this in them i think you got to give it up to nick nurse like you saw it in the eastern conference finals the adjustments that he made after the team went down 0-2 and it turned the series and he's continuing with that like this this guy's like great a great job at masai like firing Dwayne casey and putting this guy in charge
0: yeah i mean at the time, I was a big Dwayne Casey proponent. I was like, what are they doing? Like, this is clearly not Dwayne Casey's fault. But, I mean, Nick Nurse really showed me up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. They fired him just to hire an internal guy. He's probably just a Dwayne Casey kind of guy, you know. Yeah, he showed he's worthy
1: of that shoulder-up by trick. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Um, I think for, for me... Uh, Coach of the Year obviously has to go to uh, uh, Boylan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) For the time cards. (laughs) For the time cards. Check in and check out. No, no, no. For the motivation that he had on Zach Levine, (laughs) (laughs) who's been on a tear. But um, I think uh, my Coach of the Year, I got to say, just because of the turnover, um, someone like Brad Stevens, I think last year a lot of people looked down on him. Um, You know, he was this young coaching prodigy. Last year, obviously the Celtics had a down year, had a lot of chemistry issues. Um, And this year, even with their injuries, they're making it work. I mean, you know, having Gordon Hayward, who's finally sort of coming into his own, get injured. um, I feel like he's been able to make that transition work a little bit better than last year with these guys coming in and out of the lineup, making sure Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum get their own and, you know, getting Marcus Smart involved. And biggest thing is keeping him on-court and off-court issues sort of out of the way so that he can actually just play basketball. <laughs> yeah uh, and, and he's doing it with a team that I thought was gonna be worse I mean like you said I thought their defense was gonna be much worse this year losing two key More big guys days, yeah. um, It'll be interesting to see how They compete with some of the bigger guys in the Eastern Conference come to playoffs. That's kind of what I want to see because Giannis is pretty much a center and is there pretty imposing um, and we'll have to see if Marcus Smart can sort of contain those guys in a seven-game series. But I mean, Brad's team defense right now with Kemba Walker buying it, who's also not a great defender. It's not like it was a big upgrade from Ky- Kemba to Kyrie. You know what I mean? Like those guys are pretty much, pretty much both small guys who don't are known for their defense, really known for their offense. Yeah. But somehow they're still a great defensive team this year.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, Brad Stevens. I think we so far what we've seen is that he's a great coach at X's and O's and. Um, his only weakness was like superstar management so far as a coach like just not being able to get through with Kyrie I mean maybe no one can get through with Kyrie but hey maybe that's his only weakness as a coach with like ego satisfaction of the like the superstar players yeah. but if you give him this kind of team where everyone has a role Tatum and Brown are more happy now because they're getting more minutes like even with the Hayward injury he's been able to plug in these guys um and they've been like just doing just fine without Hayward uh you could definitely see like what the strengths of brad stevens are and i think you know that's that's what happens on every coach is like there's certain coaches who are like hired to be like superstar ego managers and some coaches are hired to be excess and those guys and i think brad brad's a great exes in those guys but and maybe he doesn't need that superstar to be like having great success so.
0: yeah and also maybe he just needs superstars that are a little bit more low maintenance like you know kemba and hayward are superstars in their own right but they're just a little bit they're not as high maintenance. maintenance yeah yeah i mean There are the superstars in this league that really need that constant, uh, uh, constant massaging of their egos, and there's those superstars in the league. And I think that's probably why the Eastern Conference is a little bit more boring right now, because like the guys with the high egos are sort of sitting out (laughs) with KD and Kyrie Kyrie sitting out, Um, and the guys that are leading the Eastern Conference are sort of more the quiet superstar kind of players you know you Giannis isn't like very vocal isn't like really in the media all the time same thing with Kemba same thing with Gordon Hayward yeah Um, I think that's just what the Eastern Conference is right now Uh, the only exception is uh, only
1: exception is Embiid
0: (laughs) Embiid is the only one yeah but (laughs) even Pascal like these guys are just like not uh, you know when Vic comes back Victor Oladipo also kind of like more quiet superstar yeah all right, dude. It was a good episode. Um, the first quarter of the
1: season's been good. Can't wait to see what December has. Um, Christmas Day games will be here before we know it.
0: Um, but more importantly, the trade moratorium will be over. Oh, yeah. On December
1: you know 15th. Yeah, where all these players who signed one, <laughs> uh, contracts this summer can be traded.
0: Because uh, honestly, basketball is not that fun when there's no like trade drama. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like, think that
1: it's always been driven by the off-season like, speculation the past couple of years. And this year, there's none of that because...
0: Yeah, no and truth in Everyone knows everyone that. Is like,
1: everyone knows that 2020 offseason is not that great. A lot of people already signed their extension, so it's there's no like offseason speculation to look forward to this year. Yeah,
0: now it's just like I just want the time period, which I love, which is between you know December fifteenth, when all of these guys who are signed in the offseason can finally become trade eligible. <laughs> And the trade deadline, because I think that's going to be an interesting time. Like, the buyout market is going to yeah. be great. Or who's actually going to be buyers and who's going to just, like, decide to be, like, sellers
1: and focus on next year. That'll be interesting to see as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, great. All right, man. Let's wrap this one up. Take care, dude. All right. Peace.